0: Friends, welcome to another blockbuster episode of Leadosophy. Nice cup of joe here, the elixir of Leadosophy, the fuel, the propellant behind my clouded thoughts this morning. Hopefully you are not too clouded. Today's episode, we are going to discuss humility, leading with humility. It's my first leadership principle, personally. I don't claim to always be humble, I don't claim that I always act with humility. I try, both in leadership and life and just normal day-to-day conversations. So I hope you enjoy this episode of Leadosophy, remember you're here with an open mind because that is the rule and not the exception. Here we go.
1: Are you ready to permanently fuse leadership and philosophy? Then a word of caution, you are about to enter the fully abstract yet wholly concrete realm of Leadosophy. Our ideas are not always so clear and distinct. To validate this proposition, we welcome the host of Leadosophy, Tim Woody.
0: Welcome back, friends. We are off to the races, as they say. Okay, so today I want to talk about the subject of humility, a trait, a characteristic, uh, a way of life, a practice. As I mentioned in the intro, lead humbly is my one of my core leadership principles. I'm not necessarily in a leadership role at work right now, but I still approach my, my job and my position, or try to approach it with a sense of humility. I'm in a new field. The last year and a half, I've, I've been in a, in a, my first civilian job since re, you know, retiring from the military. And it's been a very humbling experience for me personally because it has been a whole new world of, of things and ideas and concepts that I've, I've had to learn it's almost like starting over again. I work in human resources. I may have mentioned this before, but I work in human resources and organizational development at a behavioral health clinic in a rural location. And the human resources world, you know, having been in the military and in, in leading units and dealing with personnel, the human resources world in the civilian side there's a lot of overlap, there's a lot of similarities, but then there's a lot of differences, a lot of things you have to be aware of, a lot of things you have to learn. So it's been a pretty humbling experience. I have a, a really good uh, teacher, a good mentor. Uh, my boss is very knowledgeable. She's been in the field for over 30 years. And I've learned a lot from her. I've tried to kind of act like a sponge and just you know take her knowledge in and you know apply it to my position. But again, it's been a very humbling experience. Which is good, I think we all need to, I think it's good when we get outside of our comfort zone and are humbled with, with new knowledge and new experiences. I think that's important. So, little personal story, so let's dive into this world of humility, kind of what it means to us, to deepen our understanding of it and its application. Not just to leadership, uh, it could be anything, any practice, any craft, any job, any position, how you approach any relationship with your significant other, with your friends, with acquaintances, approaching those relationships with humility. Leadership is essentially a lot about human relationships, dynamic, dynamic and complex, chaotic at times. So approaching those relationships with humility, Modesty is, is important, I believe, I feel. So Lidosophy likes to start off with definitions because in the world of philosophy, definitions are important. It's a place to start. It's a place to start our inquiry, our examination to make sure we are all on the same page. So I have up on the screen, if, if you're just listening, I have up on the screen the definition of modesty from the interwebs, the internet. Modesty defined the quality or state of being unassuming or moderate in the estimation of one's abilities. We turn to humility, the definition of humility, also from the interwebs. Humility defined as a modest or low view of one's importance, humbleness. So what do you think about that? A modest or low view of one's own importance, downplaying how significant we are. Next, we're gonna to turn to one of my favorite websites from a philosophical standpoint. I am on Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy. Did you know that, they had, that a website existed called the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy? So there is an actual a a philosophical section on modest modesty and humility. All right. So we just talked about the definitions. So I want to read just a, a few paragraphs from uh, Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy and what they say on modesty and humility, just to kind of kind of probe the conversation with some some questions that may get us thinking a little differently about humility before I go into kind of my thoughts on humility and my checklist, my lead with humility or lead humbly checklist. I have a checklist that I developed that helps me stay on track with this idea of humility. So from the website, they write, picture someone who constantly boasts about their accomplishments, thinks they know it all. And even when they're not talking, exudes an off-putting, smug self-satisfaction. Such a person seems to have an ethical shortcoming. What they're missing, you might think to yourself, is a bit of modesty or humility. So I kind of added some comments to that. I said, what is required here? The question becomes, how can the arrogant become the humble? And conversely, how are the humble drawn to arrogance? So what governs or limits our arrogance? You know, if we have this tendency to trend towards being arrogant or overconfident, whether it's in knowledge or a, a particular craft or practice, what can lead us to become overconfident? And what keeps us from going down that road? What keeps us humble? What keeps us able to downplay our own um, Kind of our own skill uh, skills and abilities right how, how can we downplay that a little bit what tempers us i think we all have something you know different that kind of keeps us grounded right so philosophers back to the article philosophers have been particularly drawn to the seemingly paradoxical aspect of modesty and humility and this is this is really interesting here so think about this right they write Saying that I am modest sounds like a self-undermining joke in a way that saying I'm compassionate does not. If it is a virtue, that being humility and modesty, if they are a virtue, it seems like realizing that you have this virtue somehow spoils it. Is that true? So there's a whole bunch of questions that come from this. If I am talking about being humble or acting with humility, am I somehow, is that somehow not being humble? Just a paradox that, you know, philosophy loves paradoxes. So, you know, I think think just talking or raising this idea of humility and what it means to leadership and to life in general, I don't think that necessarily means that uh, we're arrogant or overconfident. I, I think we're just trying to deepen our understanding of what humility means. That's all I'm trying to do here. Again, I open this up in the intro with I believe in, in humility and what it means, but I am the first one to admit that I don't always act with uh, humble practices. I don't always act humbly or with humility. I can get arrogant. I can get overconfident. I don't know. That's just, you know, I'm, I'm just being real. Trying to keep it real here on Leadosophy, keeping it real. So coming down, just a couple more ideas from the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy. And why Lidosophy likes this discussion on on this website, this philosophical discussion on modesty and humility, is it's self-reflective in nature and it's introspective, right? It's turning that gaze inward on our own self and finding out how humility relates to our own life, our own skills, our own practices, our intellectual capabilities, there was a study, there's been many studies, I believe, on, on psychological studies of how we how we, tend to overestimate our abilities. Those are published, those are it's academic research. We have a tendency to overestimate our abilities. And uh, I think humility kind of grounds us, brings us back to a sort of a center that, hey, no matter how good we may seem or feel we are in a certain subject or practice, Uh, There's always much to learn, much to learn. So back to the website, they write, the feature of modesty and humility that has most captivated philosophers is its elusive nature. It seems seems as though knowing that you're modest somehow spoils it. The modest person, it seems, must be unaware of their own modesty. So if I say that I'm a modest person, that I'm a humble person, does it follow that I am now unaware of my own modesty and humility? Again, the paradox, the paradox that is loved by philosophy. The fact that knowing about your own modesty seems to spoil it suggests what seems to, to some at least to be a troubling tension between epistemic and moral goods. Epistemic meaning knowledge, how we, the theory of how we accrue our knowledge. So here's the question, the final question before we go to leadosophy.com. Can there really be something morally good about forming biased beliefs about your own goodness? I'm going to say that again. I'm going to ask that question again. Can there really be something morally good about forming biased beliefs about your own goodness? That's kind of a might drop philosophical moment there. That's a question that I don't think can be answered on this episode. I think it's something that, you know, maybe you pause the podcast or the YouTube video and you ruminate on that question for a little while uh, to, to develop a deeper understanding about your own biases, about your abilities, your skills and abilities, your traits, your characteristics. When we bring attention to our own traits in a positive way, Are we biased about those traits? It's a good question. Off we go to leadosophy.com. So I wrote a blog post. Uh, I actually created a new blog on leadosophy.com. It's called My Thoughts. Uh, I just posted my second post last night. It's called uh, Ramblings on Humility. And for me, it it was a way to kind of unpack my first leadership principle a little bit to further my understanding of what it means to me. And I, you know, check it out. Um, give me some some criticism if, if you have any. But I just want to read a couple paragraphs of what I wrote in the end and I want to go to my checklist, my Lead Humbly checklist, which I'll end the episode on that. So I wrote last night that when I posit that leading with humility is a core leadership principle, for me, this is personally, right? I am tacitly implying that I do not have all the answers. My knowledge of leadership and the dynamically chaotic nature of human relationships is incomplete at best. I challenge myself to learn from those around me, to approach new endeavors with a sense of wonder, vice arrogance, and to simply downplay my relevance. So the I don't know how many out there listening or watching follow the National Football League in America. There is a Hall of Fame football coach by the name of Paul Brown. Paul Brown was a football coach. I mean, he coached for decades, decades, 40 years, 50 years, maybe almost 50 years. He's a Ohio native, state of Ohio. He was the founder of the Cleveland Browns and the Cincinnati Bengals both two football teams that are still in existence. But Paul Brown is, one of his famous sayings was, we're all useful, but none of us are necessary. I really like that. It When I read that quote over and over and over again, I've read this quote over and over and over again, we're all useful, but none of us are necessary. It, again, it, it makes me realize that in this world, in this galaxy, we're all just really insignificant players, right? In a very small, small timeline, timeline in the spectrum of, of all time. So I don't mind the role of the insignificant one. The insignificant one who has just a small sliver of utility. Utility being, you know, maybe I serve some purpose Uh, For my children, you know, giving them some little nugget of advice or showing them how to do something or my spouse or You know, whatever towards my job or for my job a small sliver of utility You know, maybe I bring that to this world But even in, in that it's very insignificant Lead with humility also implies tacitly that I do not mind the followers role paradoxically, again, we love paradoxes here on Leadosophy. Paradoxically, could it be possible that we learn more about leading from following a leader? And could this apply to any craft or skill? I think it does, right? I think it does apply to many crafts. We get more out of watching from following, right? From then actually being in the position of, of leading someone. But then conversely, when I am in a position of leadership and interacting with followers, a lot of knowledge I have is reinforced. Or I learn from them, right? The teacher becomes the student. And from a position of humility, one of the best experiences is when the, when you are the teacher and you become the student, you learn from others. Lidosophy is just as impartial to sources of knowledge and understanding as dehydration is impartial to a source of water. Lidosophy does not care who leads and who follows, who mentors, and who receives the mentorship. What matters more are the humble preconditions for understanding and collective thought. These preconditions being open ears, open minds, and a willingness to be a little vulnerable. In this space, we can learn about anything and from anyone even those who have different worldviews with humility. And speaking of worldviews, I, I wrote earlier in that, in that article, you know, my worldview, which is mine and mine alone, and I can't escape it. There's no, there's no getting outside my, my worldview, right? We're all trapped in our theater of perception, how we perceive the world. My worldview is unique, but it is one of nearly 8 billion worldviews, right? Nearly 8 billion people on this planet. Each person bringing their unique worldview to the table. Whose worldview is the correct one? And I submit that there's no black and white answer to that. It's a very murky, murky world. So I'm going to end this episode on the Lead Humbly Checklist. So this kind of goes back to am i being arrogant by saying that my core leadership principle is lead humbly is it does this come from a place of arrogance I hope not that's not why that's not why i i developed that core leadership principle at least i don't think so maybe subconsciously it does come from a place of arrogance i don't know i'd have to do, i'd have to dive deeper in a in a sense of introspection to to figure that out more, but I developed the checklist to act as guardrails for my arrogance, for my overconfidence. And it's a very simple checklist. It's nothing crazy. Uh, I, it took me about an hour or so to come up with this. I put some thought into it. I wrote this. Af- I came up with this checklist after I wrote my blog post. So my my cognitive juices were, were flowing when I developed this. So number one on the checklist, mind open, because that's the rule, not the exception. That's how I start every Leadosophy podcast, right? And I, I, don't, I say that not necessarily for those who are watching, who are listening. It's a reminder to myself. Every time I do a Leadosophy episode, when I'm finished, I am immediately drawn into this reflective, self-reflective world where not that I'm criticizing what I said, but I'm searching for error, right? I'm trying to detect error in anything that I said, anything that, anything that threw off my coherence in meaning or my understanding of leadership. And I think it happens all the time. Every time I finish an episode, I, something doesn't feel right. And I've went back and I've, I've listened to, I think I've listened to all of my episodes so far, post, post episode. And there's always something that i you know, it just doesn't sit right with me. And to be honest, I, I can't always put my finger on it. But it helps me to continue to, to pursue this, this depth of meaning. Second on the checklist, First, turn the gaze inward, is it me? So humility for me, I approach this idea, this concept of humility first in relations to others. We are always in relation relation or relationships with others, right? We're social creatures. So there's always going to be disconnects in these relationships. There's going to be problems that arise there's going to be um, incoherence in what someone thinks and what I think, right? So if I have a problem, if something arises in a relationship, I, I try, and I, again, I am not good at this, I admit it, but if I ask the question, is it me, I'm able to take the focus off someone else and, and direct it back at myself and say, okay, what am I doing to disrupt this relationship? And that can be in the workplace, could be in your home, it could be in the community. It matters little. Third on the checklist, place equal importance on followership. And I I already talked about this, right? Followership to me is equally as important as leadership. Why? Well, at any time the follower can become the leader and those roles can get reversed almost instantaneously. Uh, The minute that you are in a leadership role and you're engaging with a follower, and that follower gives you an idea or a, a nugget of knowledge that you didn't know, and you have advanced the advanced this or you have co-created this knowledge together, you just became the follower. In just a, just a split second, you became a follower. So that, that didactic relationship, that one-to-one relationship with, with another, because you can't have le- leadership without at least two people, that didactic relationship can flip like a switch instantaneously. So, Lead with humility or lead humbly uh, places equal importance on, on followership. Being the mentee, right? Embracing the role of being the mentee and not the mentor. The next one on the checklist is, is really important to me. These are all important. But de degla- deglamorize leadership. Deglamorize leadership. It just is. Leadership just is. It's not this... You know, it's for years and, and decades, leadership was placed on this pedestal where it was, it was like, man, if, if you didn't have the perfect leadership traits or the perfect leadership qualities, you couldn't reach this level of leadership. It's unattainable. Leadosophy doesn't like that. Leadosophy believes that at any point in time, someone can be unintentionally thrust into the role of leadership in a situational, contextual way, you have to be prepared. And if you're not prepared, maybe you'll get prepared really quick if you're if you're thrusted into this role of leadership and you weren't ready for it. But to deglamorize leadership, to, to temper how significant the leader is, is humility at its finest for me, right? And I've talked about from the theory side, from the leadership side, I've mentioned this on other podcasts, the great man theory of leadership, right? It's just, it's an unattainable, it's just not realistic in the day to day grind of, of being in a leadership role. Leadership is a grind, it's messy, it's a lot of failure, right? It's a lot of trial and error and tinkering, not with people. We don't tinker with people's lives, but processes that affect people. Leadership is about removing obstacles that are in people's way. It's about giving them tools to be more successful. These are little things that happen every single day in the world of leadership. It's not glamorous, right? If you get a sense of glamor from that, you know maybe you're placing too much importance on your own roles as a leader. So deglamorize leadership. Leadosophy likes that. Next on the checklist. Sources of knowledge are omnipresent. Omnipresent, they're everywhere. Sources of knowledge are everywhere. You can learn from anyone, from any experience. If you go in with a sense of wonder, being vulnerable, being willing to admit I don't have all the answers, that's important. Next on the checklist, embrace vulnerability, which I just talked about. I had a conversation on Facebook this morning with a gentleman that I used to work for that I admire a lot. He taught me a lot. And he actually responded on another post that I wrote on the law of unique experiences. And he countered that with the law of experiences, shared experiences and how important those are, not just our own unique experiences that uh, we may react to or make decisions based upon and he talked about trust and how we can learn a lot we can we can learn a lot from one another when we trust the people that we are with and i wrote back to him that i learned a lot from him i was able to i was able to trust him and make decisions based on his wisdom and feedback and advice because i think we were both willing to get a little vulnerable in the space that we shared together. And when we lowered our guards, when we kind of stopped trying to uh, maybe put up a front or, you know, kind of wear a mask, you know, when I say a mask, I mean, you know, taking the mask off and showing our true selves. Right. And we all do this, right. We all act like one person in some settings. We act like other people person, uh, like another person in other settings where it's between home and work. Well, when I was, when I, Over time, when I was in the space with with this gentleman, I was able to kind of lower my guard, take my mask off. What he saw was what he got. I was genuine. I was was real. Not that I was fake before, but I was more vulnerable. And our trust increased. And we learn things from each other through this space of vulnerability. And that's what I'm meaning with embrace the vulnerability. Because I think that's where the true learning occurs, learning from one another. And I may have just butchered that whole topic on vulnerability, but anyways, that was real. That was raw. That's what you get. Okay, the last one on leadosophy checklist, and then we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up here on leadosophy. Remember the pitfalls of power and control. I think humility and modesty are antagonistic to power and control. That's my first gut instinct. I could be wrong. Intuitively, there's some things that don't quite sound right with that. But I will say that if you are, if you enjoy power, if you enjoy control, especially in the context of human relationships, I don't believe or it is my assumption that those don't square very well with humility and modesty. I'm gonna leave it at that. I'm gonna think about that some more, but I think I'm, I'm definitely curious as to your thoughts on how power and control might contradict modesty and humility, the traits and behaviors. The lover of power, or let me rephrase that as a question. Can the lover of power and control love the idea of humility and modesty seems seems contradiction like a contradiction okay thanks for watching this episode of leadosophy remember leadosophy is about using the tools of philosophical thought to deepen our understanding of leadership thanks for watching
1: Thanks for watching and listening to another episode of Leadosophy. If you liked what you heard today, hit that subscribe button and check out leadosophy.com and learn more about Tim's ideas on philosophy and leadership. We'll see you next time.